Good uh, afternoon. It's uh, good to be here with you, uh, with you again. We had a, a good afternoon together with the the with Pastor Sim. We had a good fellowship and a good time in the pool too. So that oh, it's, it's a hot day. So, and uh, so that was really uh, that was. So the I, I, Pastor Sim also asked me to, before I uh, uh, go uh, further into the, re- in the mess, I want to share the gospel with you. He asked me also to share like a little bit more about, uh, about our work. I touched a little bit upon it uh, this morning, and I thought like maybe it's good to start maybe with a question that might come up after the sermon of, uh, of this morning. If you read Isaiah 53, then maybe you give the question, why don't the Jewish people see it, right? So clear. Uh, and it is really clear, and, and, and it's still a passage of Scripture that's often used uh, by God. The problem is, it's in their Bibles. It definitely is. But they have a really set schedule of what they read from the Bible. And guess what? Isaiah 53 and a lot of other passages which clearly point to the Lord Jesus from the Old Testament. It's not on the schedule, right? And there's another problem too, like... and. And that really shows, like, it's something that's a common problem, like uh, also in other, sometimes also in some distortions of of Christianity, like that tradition really plays a very big place. Uh, Like the, I I talked the other, when I talk to sometimes to uh, Hasidic or ultra-Orthodox Jewish people, they said things, well, you can't just read the Bible on your own. You first have to le- you also have to look at what the rabbis say about it. They actually have a whole idea of like, okay, yes, you have the Bible, like which and then of course they only take the, believe in the Old Testament. But they say, except for the written law, which God gave on Mount Sinai, they believe there's also something which they call even the oral law. They, they said there's also a tradition that's handed over over time which they say also came back for Moses. And I say, that's the only way you can understand the Bible. So it's like kind of glasses they have to put on before they read it. Yeah, then you're not seeing the Lord Jesus, unfortunately. That's really like if you read the Apostle Paul talks about a veil that's over the Jewish people. Like that's also a spiritual thing. But that film maybe even became, th- which, uh, which, which was already in place in the time of the Apostle Paul. But that film maybe ca- became even thicker over time by a lot of tradition that came, came on top of it. So like one, one, uh, one Jewish man from the Netherlands who, uh, like, like who became a, came a believer in the Lord Jesus, he calls like this whole oral tradition, he called it a crust over the Bible. And, and it's really really difficult to pierce through that. Like you need, you need so, so I'm really coveting your prayers also. It's sometimes discouraging. And that's why I also want to share the, the, the word today, like from a passage, like about the calling of, of Isaiah, like how something that really encouraged Isaiah to go into actually a difficult ministry. Where So, so I'll be preaching the message this afternoon a little bit to, my, uh, to myself also, if you don't mind. So, um, but, but, uh, so I covered your prayers because that makes it, that these things make it difficult too. But we hope to go back like uh, to, to Brooklyn. But th- before we go back to Brooklyn, that's a thing we, we do every, 
uh, every summer I hope to go, we hope to go back half, we stop halfway because we hope to go to the Catskills in upstate New York. That's two hours north of, uh, of Brooklyn. And at the moment that's, because Brooklyn, it's a lot of the Jewish people, the ultra-Orthodox Jewish people in Brooklyn, they're gone. Because that's where they are now. So they are also vacationing there in the mountains. They have, the, they have camps there. They have bungalow colony after bungalow colony. If, maybe I would, if you would go there, it's, it's an experience to see that. Like, uh, and, but it gives us an opportunity, especially to take hitchhikers. And you have a captive audience, right? <laughs> so, but it really gives an opportunity. We, we really have to look all the way. So that's also a thing I'd like to ask prayer for, like to, that I find opportunities to get in touch with, with the... With the with the Jewish people, because they're often very much in their own, uh, own world. And actually, that's a thing that's really neat the coming, uh, the coming weeks. As I said, yes, Isaiah 53 is not on the schedule of, re of what they read in the synagogues. It's a really sad schedule. But th there's other beautiful chapters from the book of Isaiah that they will be reading the coming, uh, the coming weeks. And they're really dancing around Isaiah 53. So I can talk to them. Hey, you read this, this week in the synagogue from Isaiah 54? Well, did you actually read the chapter before it? And that's, uh, the conversation can, can start. So I really ask for your prayers also uh, to, um, to be able to share that uh, again. This, uh, this, uh, that, that's always a unique opportunity. To, sometimes we have real good conversations uh, with, with Orthodox Jewish people. Uh, and I, I, you don't know what God does with it. The our ministry is often like just having a good conversation and sowing a gospel seed. We hope we, we sometimes say leaving a peb pebble in somebody's shoes, shoe, and then you hope God does something with it. That's people start thinking. Uh, and I can't share too much details about it, but at the moment we are in touch with two men from an ultra-Orthodox background uh, who, who still very much in the community, but who, who believe in the Lord Jesus. And that, that's really, if or for, for, for people in Jewish ministry, that's, that's really special. That brings us challenges also because they are at risk being, that's why I can't share too much, they are at risk being completely ostracized from their community. They might lose family and, uh, and custody over children and things like that. So it's, it's, it's really serious. Like, if Jesus, like coming out for Jesus might, for us, I don't know, maybe also for you it can cost something. But... For them, it's it's pro it's probably much more serious what they ca what they can lose, like they can lose their their marriage and and more, you know. Uh, so pray for that also. We also have a, like a Shabbat dinner fellowship at our uh, at the place where we work and live. So that there we get a different type of Jewish people, but we're thankful for also we can pour in the lives of people there. And we also do digital outreach through a website called InSearchOfShalom.com. So maybe even if you meet Jewish people, that, that maybe also is, could be a resource uh, uh, for you. And I got just in, uh, like encouraging statistics from a colleague of, of mine that since um, 2020 we've been able to, with advertisements, been able to reach uh, 2 million uh, mostly Jewish people, like that it came to their attention. And uh, 27,000 people like spend more than two minutes on the website so you, we really know they've been reading things and we also had like a constant strict trickle of people who chatted uh, with us 
So sometimes people are upset, but that's a good sign because it means you reach the people <laughs> you want to reach. So I also want to ask your, uh, your prayer uh, for that. But I want to focus on the, on the word tonight and uh, like really share the gospel with you from, uh, from the book of Isaiah uh, again. Uh, and I want to go with you uh, to Isaiah chapter 6. So if you have your Bible with you, please go there with you. I, s- I first want to read with you Isaiah chapter 6. It's uh, Isaiah's calling. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory or will be full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongues from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. So it's not an easy mission Isaiah was getting. Then I said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until the cities, cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tent remain in it, it will be burnt again, like a turbine or an oak whose stump remains when it is felt. But then there's hope. The holy seat is its stump. So there's in the end a future. I believe like that all, all people have have somewhere some some sense of God. You know, everybody has at least the feeling there must be more. 
Well, that feeling is right. Because God is really there. Especially through creation is God, God giving everybody this sense. But here's the, here's the problem. We are prone to, to change that sense and to mold it into to some, in, to mold the sense of God with ideas of ourselves about who God is, that we kind of make our own gods, actually. So the question is, do you really know God? Do you really have a real relationship with the, with the real God, not only the God you make up with your own ideas? And do we have a relationship with him that's all right and that's, that's in, in order? You know, Jesus, Jesus has stressed how, how important it is. He said, to know God and Jesus the Messiah, whom he sent, that is eternal life. It's really important that we really know God. Well, how can you know God? Well, how can you, how can, how can you, how can you know anybody? You have to meet the person, right? So how can we know God? We have to meet God, right? So I want to really share the word with you from the passage we just read uh, from Isaiah 6. Because there Isaiah is relating how he met God. And I really believe that God can, can use that. Isaiah got a, got a special special vision, right? And God sometimes can, can do special things still. You hear sometimes about the mission field among, among Muslims, that they get uh, special dreams and, and visions, which then leads them on to, to, to look for Jesus. But you know, there's a way of, of how God communicates that's much more normal. I also believe God wants to meet us, most of all, through the Bible. That's how we usually do it, especially when you have a Bible. That's how, that's how, through the Bible, God wants to, to meet us. So let's pray God also uses it, uh, use, 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 will use it when I share to you from, uh, from his word. So let's, let's start reading. How, what, as Isaiah, like really get a, get a glimpse of, of who God is. If what happens for him is it's like kind of the curtain of heaven is like kind of pushed aside for a moment. Let's see what, let's, let's, let's read it together. Let's read it carefully and let, let the words really get to us. As Isaiah tells about his encounter with God. And through it, God wants to speak to us. I really believe that. In the year that King Uzziah died. That's how it starts, right? Uzziah, that was, was the, one of the last really powerful kings of the kingdom of Judah. And in his days, Judah was, was prospering. But now he's dead. And you must know there's just, just dark clouds on the horizon because there's, there's a real 
there's, a, there's a nation that's coming up. It's the Assyrians. That were like kind of the, the Nazis of the ancient, the ancient Near East. Militaristic. Real, a real threat. And then we're also now getting like internal political instability. Because like a strong king just died. What's going to happen now? It's, it's a little bit like now. Like also... Like the geopolitical situation right now, it's also like, oh, what's going to happen, right? With the war in, war in Ukraine, and are the, are the Russians going to hit a, a nuclear, uh, the nuclear power plant there? Or, or is this going to escalate? Sometimes can be scary, right? And, and, and like there's internal political uncertainty sometimes. So we also have to fix our eyes upon the one whom Isaiah sees, because he sees a king. Who never dies. And how does he see him? High and exalted on his throne, right? You know, the, if you look carefully in the Bibles, like if you see, look, look at what the word for, for God that's being used there. It says Lord, right? But it's not Lord with all capital letters. It's like one capital and then small letters, right? So that's not the personal name of God that's being used here but a title of God which really means Lord or, or also means like ruler of all so that's what what Isaiah sees he sees God sitting on his throne as as ruler of all as the one who's who's really in control of everything and, and God is still sitting there just as he said there in Isaiah's day he's in control over the big things in the world, but also about this, over the small things in our small lives. And, and that means that in, it, in the end, all his plans will, will prevail with his people Israel and, and with the entire world. His kingdom will come. In the end, like really what, what's happening now with Isaiah, like that temporarily the curtain of heaven is put away, that, that will happen forever one day. God is in control of everything. That's a great consolation if you know God. If, if your relationship with God is all right. If you are a child of this God. Then you know your, your father is in control. And then he is sitting on the, on the throne. Isaiah tells us that God is high and lifted up. Gets a, a tiny glimpse of, a, of an impression of God's greatness look at it like it says that the the trains of his ropes of his ropes like like the one the 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 bottom so to say that's already filling the entire temple right imagine like so how great is the lord if already the train of his rope fills the temple like even even the heavens cannot contain his greatness he greatness he is really high and lifted up and it's just just a little glance of his majesty which isaiah is getting and isaiah tells us more about what he what he sees he says there there are there are seraphim he sees special kind of angels, seraphim, and uh, and then really don't think about these these things that people like to hang in uh, hang in Christmas trees. That's that's not what these angels are. Not like cute cup- cupidos or something like that. What we made of angels in our in our 
and our culture. Now, these are really impressive beings, really. If you would come eye to eye with a seraph, that you would be, you're shaking, just as Isaiah is shaking. Because actually, you know what the word seraph, seraph means? It actually means, it has to do with the Hebrew word for to burn. These, these, these angels, they're fiery, fiery creations. They are really, they, they're burners. That's maybe a way to translate it. There's burners around the throne of God. Really holy beings. It's just like it's written in Psalm 97 about the majesty of God. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. It's not for nothing that we also read in verse 4 that, that the temple was, was filled with smoke. Isaiah tells us another detail about these seraphs, these, these fiery creatures. He says they had six wings, right? And, and how do they use their wings? These are really highly holy beings, like pure beings, absolutely pure. But how, many, how much of their wings do they use to... Are there some children? How many, how, many, how many rings do they have, these angels? Six. And how many of them do they actually use to fly? Two. What are they using the other, the other wings for? What are they using them for? What are they, what are, look in your Bible. What are they doing with those wings? They're covering their face. And what, what else are they doing? Their feet. It's like they're so impressed. Like they, they're right before God. They're so impressed by God. They, they know, whoa. You know, they want to cover themselves. Like they, 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 because God is so amazing. And they see His glory that it really, really, they, they, it makes them full of awe before God. They, they are like in a constant attitude of, of worship. And, and you know, because of that, like because of what they see of God, that it also wells up from, from within them. With with, with with an increasing tension. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts, like, or the Lord Almighty, it's sometimes translated. But really, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of, the Lord of armies, the Lord who is in control of thousands and thousands of angels, of those fiery creatures and many others. The whole earth is, is full of His glory. Literally, it says like the fullness of the earth, His glory. And, and that probably means something like, that, especially if you compare it to other passages of Scripture, the, that the entire earth will one day be full of the glory of this God. And, and the seraphs are already ready declaring how, how history will end. That that all of the earth will be full of the glory of God. They're already seeing it before them. The entire earth full of His glory. That's where it's going. The radiance of God's holiness, His glory, will one day completely fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. So you better be ready for that future. 
as the waters cover the sea. It means really means fill everything. Holy, holy is the Lord. Yeah, that's that's it. That's how our God is. The that's who He is. He is the Holy One. What does that mean? That word holy. It means really set apart. It means totally different. That's what the word holy means. And think about it. Holy, that's, that's everything that sets God apart from us. That makes him different from us. Or another way to put it, it's everything that makes God so amazingly special. Super special. It's, it's, it's how different he, he is from us in his, his endless majesty. Like you get a little bit of a glimpse of that. Like, like he's, his rope filling the temple, right? Endless majesty, endless greatness. There's really no limit to, to the amazingness of God, really. That's what it is about. Infinite in his wisdom. Infinite in his, his knowledge. So different from us. So, so holy. And you know what's really at the center of, of God's holiness? That's God's goodness. And then not, not, the, not the Santa Claus godness, which we... With our culture, if they still believe in God and they, they think a little bit about God, like which we still want to apply to God, when we start to deform God according to our own ideas, this is absolute God goodness. This is absolute pure God goodness. Like the, the Apostle John says, says it, God is a light and there's no darkness in him. Well, that especially is quite a contrast with us, right? When you know your heart a little bit. We are sinners, right? And, and there's not for nothing this, this fire around God. He, like, like our sin and God's pureness, that's like oil and, and fire together. That's an explosive com combination. And God really really detests everything that's evil and wrong because of his goodness. Have you ever thought about it? It actually might be a problem. That God is good might actually be a problem for us. Have you ever thought about that? Because God is not a little bit good. He's absolute good, right? Here's how the prophet Habakkuk puts it. Like, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You know, God even doesn't want to see it. That's why it has to be burned up before him. He cannot tolerate anything wrong. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The seraphs cry out. And at the sound of their voices, the doorpost post and the threshold shook. And the temple was filled with smoke. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I lived in the Netherlands, so there's no much earthquakes there. I don't think you, have it, you really have earthquakes here, right? So, and then in New York, they don't have earthquakes too. But I've been told that, like, kind of the safest place if there is an earthquake is like the inside, the inside of a door, right? 
I don't know. I've been told that. I think it's true. So when what's happening here? These door posts, they are shaking, right? The most stable place is shaking from the presence of God. And, and, and there's this, this smoke. It's like on Mount Sinai when God came down also in His holiness. And the entire mountain was shaking, right? And Isaiah is shaking too. He, he's crying it out. Woe to me, for I am ruined. I'm undone. I'm going to be destroyed. I'm a dead man. I hope we can understand that a little bit. If you get a little bit of a sense of who God is, then you understand what Isaiah is saying. If you get a little bit of a sense of God's, God's holiness, because then you, you feel it, then you understand it. When, when, the, when the light of God's holiness shines on your life. And Isaiah is specific. He says, I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord God Almighty, the Lord Almighty, the Lord of hosts. A man of unclean lips. That's an area in his life which Isaiah especially had to think about. That's where he especially felt his sinfulness. I don't know, how often do we use our lips to, to say bad things about others or, or like say other bad things which instead of praising God with our mouth? And what comes out of our mouth comes from our hearts. Which are sinful unless God's grace changes them. How often do we, do we degrade or devaluate with our lips beautiful things which God gave us? I don't know. This is an area in his life about where Isaiah especially felt convicted. I don't know what, what's, what, what that is in your life. Maybe it's another area. And you think about God's holiness. What's not in order in, in your life? where you feel especially the contrast between God's holiness and your life. Something else, which is, I think it's really important to, to note, which uh, Isaiah is saying. He says, I also live in the middle of a people of unclean lips. Now, it's interesting, in the chapters before this chapter, Isaiah has also been saying, woe. But he didn't say, woe to me, he said, woe to you. His, to his fellow people. Because they were indeed going away from the Lord. But now he has to say woe to me also. He realizes something. He realizes I am, I am I'm in the end just like them. I'm one with them. And Isaiah was relatively righteous actually. Relatively good guy. A righteous guy. One of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. But now he has to say, woe unto me also. You know, later in his book he will say it. Like our, our righteous deeds are just like filthy wrecks. If you compare it to God's holiness. Because it's always stained. 
Now, something I was thinking a little bit about is I had to think like about what's going on in in our society right now. That like there's a lot of drift, right? Think about like the whole LGBTQ uh, movement that's going on. Like when people basically make like what what they feel as the ultimate truth. If I feel this way, that's the truth. And, and like individual freedom above above everything. Right? And it gives all kind of things in our society now. Which are really against the Bible if we don't let God define anymore what reality is. We really we really go adrift. But you know then I think like in the midst and, and, and we we are called actually as Christians to to speak out about these things, the, to tell the truth about that, right? Tell, the, tell what the Bible says about it. But the Bible says, like, always speak the truth in love, right? And in the midst of these culture wars, it's like sometimes we, there, there's a real danger that we forget something. That also, where do we end up if not for God's grace. Like we, we also will follow the devices of our own hearts. That's also how we are all, right? Let's not forget that. Let's not only point the finger. Let's also remind, remember that we, we have the same kind of heart if God's grace doesn't change it. We won with them, in a sense. That will also give us the right attitude if we talk about these things. That we don't become too, too self-righteous. There's a real danger in these Battles. You know, before God, we together all just one dirty heap of sinners. Isaiah says it. I am ruined. I'm, I'm dead. And whoa, well, there's coming one of these seraphs. It's coming. That's the end. It's going to burn me up, right? No. 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 That's not what's happening. You would think that would happen. That's not what's happening. Let, let's, see what's, let's see what it says. What, what's this seraph doing? He's not burning up Isaiah, what you would expect. It says, One of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his head, which he had taken from the altar. And Isaiah is not consumed with it. It touches his lip. Yes, that it does. But then... Then he hears something. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Your sins are covered. They're purged. That's what's happening. Because I, we've been talking about the holiness of God, right? But I left something out still when I was talking about the holiness of God. There's something in the midst of God's holiness we sang about it, actually, in, in the song, Holy, Holy. God is also perfect in love. We sang that, right? That's also a very important aspect of the holiness of God, in, in which God is completely different and absolute amazing. And from that holy love of God, that, that amazing love, flows a grace like a fountain. It's a, it's a miraculous grace. And because of that, Isaiah's lips are touched and all his sins are taken away. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And do not forget all his benefit, 
who has taken away most, no, some, no, all, all of your iniquities, right? That's what David said. He experienced the same thing. He knew the same thing. That's what Isaiah is experiencing. And that's what's happening to him. That's what he hears. Oh, wait a moment. How, how is this possible? That's a good question. You know, there's, there's another de detail in this passage, which, which we, really, we really should pay attention. Where, where, does, where, is Isaiah, where is this happening? Where is Isaiah getting this vision? Re look in your Bibles. What does it say? Where, where is he getting it? Anyone? Where, where does he get this vision? What does he see? Where does he see the train of, the ro of God's the rope of... What, what, what is the rope of uh, the train of the rope of God filling? The temple, right? So, and that, that's really important. Thank God Isaiah meets God in the temple. Right there. You know, we had those uh, forest fires, right? Like because of the drought. And um, also, like, I mean, I remember as a kid reading stories about uh, the fires on the prairies, right? Then, and wha what if there is a forest fire or like, in, uh, like, like if you were in a big field, if you would have a, have a big fire coming? Wha where are you, what's the safest place? What's the safest place to be? You have to be at a place where the fire has been already, right? Then you're safe. Then there's no fuel for the fire anymore. So where is Isaiah meeting God? In the temple. What's happening in the temple? What did they do in the temple? They, he got a call from where? From the altar, right? What's happening on the altar? Sacrifices are being brought. The altar, it's the place of atonement. That's the place where the fire has been already. Thank God that God meets Isaiah there, else it would have been his end. But God meets him at the place of atonement. You know, if we, if we would talk about that in, in New Testament terms, that's, that's meeting God at the feet of the cross. That's the real safe place. That's where we have to meet God. That's where the fire has been already. Because even though, if you, even if you would think about the sacrifices in the temple, can they really take away sins? No, they couldn't. They were like a temporary measure, but they were pointing to something. What we, they were pointing to the thing we talked about this morning. Isaiah 53, that the Messiah would come and that he would be pierced for our iniquities and crushed for, for, our, for, pierced for our transgressions and and crushed for our iniquities, right? And that he would give his, his soul as a sin offering. That's what it was pointing to. Because that's what, what's really taking the sins again. Sins away. Jesus, his, his cross, that's the real safe place. Well, you know, maybe somebody's thinking, well... That sounds good, like that. what was happening there to Isaiah, like kind of that a seraph comes to him, like, like your sin is atoned for. Like, like I, I would want that to happen 
to me too. And, and that's what, actually, that's what you need. You know, the, the first thing you need is grace. And the second you need even is oxygen. Even on a warm day like this, when you need a lot of oxygen, first you need this grace. That we need even much more. But you know, the amazing thing is that what's happening to Isaiah, what Isaiah is being offered, that's not only for a few people with a special experience. This is available for all of us through the gospel, through the gospel of the Lord Jesus. That's where it's happening. You know, the Apostle Paul calls the gospel the, not only a message about salvation. He says the gospel is the power of God for salvation. In it, God is doing something. Because in the message of the good news of Jesus, God himself is coming to us. It's, it's like happening in the gospel that God himself comes to you and offering to you the same, very same thing that was offered to to Isaiah, that, that he comes to you with a call from the altar. He's offering you the, the atoning work of the Lord Jesus. Jesus himself is coming to you and offering himself to you, like as, as, as the one who, who took the fire for you, right? I want to read to you like a few verses from 2 Corinthians 5. There you see it, there you see that. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Then the same thing is happening as what happened to Isaiah. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. And all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us, Paul's talking as an apostle here, but that's also talking about the ministry of the message of, of the gospel. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Through the gospel, you're reconciled to God. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ, for the Messiah. Since God is making an appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of the Messiah. Be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He gives us that. You're completely forgiven and accepted as his child. That's what's coming to you. Through Jesus. And God makes an appeal in his love to accept that. To fall down for this Lord Jesus. I mean, it's the most foolish thing to do ever in your life. To push away. Like this, this, the seraph that comes to you with the gift of atonement. Right? Do you think Isaiah would have done that? Why are we so foolish? Why, why? We can't reject the gospel. You know, the same way we can't do that. If we, if, if we reject that, yeah, then there's absolutely no hope for us. You have to f we all have to face this holy God one day. But if you rejected this holy love, 
you really perish. We bet, so we can better acknowledge God's holiness. Confess we are sinners. And put our trust in the Lord Jesus. And really, if you did that, think about it. How amazing it is. If you, if you trusted in the Lord Jesus, think about it. That, that we, we maybe, you know, even if we know the Lord, we can, we can kind of used to it, right? Like kind of, oh yeah, okay, I know, like Jesus died for, for our sins. You know, it kind of becomes dull sometimes. That's how our hearts are. Even, but let, let's realize it, it again. What an amazing reality it is. What we are getting, right? Right here. Let, let's remind it again, us again, and, and, and meditate upon it, like that this is what we got, right? And if that grips our heart, you know, what, what, does, what, does, what does Isaiah say? Like after that, he hears God saying something. Whom shall I send, right? And who will go for us? You know, and Isaiah sold out now. Right? He says, here, you have me. Take me. I'll go. And he's even ready to take on a really, really difficult mission. He's willing to be obedient, whatever the cost. Right? So, let's, let, let, let this also grip our hearts again. Even if you know the Lord already. And, and really, let's think about it. What an amazing thing the Lord did for us and what he's giving us. So, that we're ready to go. That we're ready to, to pay the pri price of obedience, whatever it costs. That we, he's, he's, he's worth it, if you th think about it, right? What an amazing Lord we have to, to go for it. To go for Him, to, to give our lives for Him. And to share with others, whether they will listen or not. Right? I hope it's encouraged you. And, and, and don't, don't forget, if you know Him, He's on the throne. It's your Father, this Holy God. Amen.